I don't know if you guys uh, saw it yesterday, but one of the best football games I've seen in a long time, Michigan and Ohio State were playing. It was a great football game. The starting quarterback for uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, a guy named J.T. Barrett. Now, three years ago, J.T. Barrett was on the team, but he was not the starter. The starter was a guy named Braxton Miller. But Braxton Miller got hurt, and then J.T. Barrett became the starter. And then guess what? J.T. Barrett got hurt, and they had to go to a guy named Cardell, what was his name? Cardell Jones. See, y'all know the story better than I do. There you go. Cardell Jones led Ohio State to the national championship that year. Now think about this, guys. Who thought of Cardell Jones when that season started? Nobody even knew his name. Halfway through the season, no one knew his name. He was truly a forgotten man on that football team. If it hadn't been for injuries, he would have stayed completely anonymous, third string. Nobody would have known that he even wore the uniform except his mama and daddy and a few people that that knew and loved him. He was truly a forgotten man until circumstances came together to bring him to the forefront. Today I want to talk to you about the forgotten man of Christmas. One that we don't talk about very much, and yet, without Joseph, think about how Christmas would have been very, very different. If you have your Bibles, Matthew, the first chapter. We're going to be looking at Matthew, the first chapter. Starting with verse 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the son of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Then, skip on down to verse 16. And Jacob the father of Jesse and the husband of Mary, uh, I mean Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus who is called the Christ. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and she gave him the name Jesus. And then look over. At verse 2, I mean chapter 2 very quickly, starting down at verse 13. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to who? To Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child, his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then look again at verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Now think of all of this. Think of, think of how the story hinges so much on Joseph's actions. I mean, he was an absolutely remarkable person. He, he never speaks in the Bible... Some uh, have called him Joseph the Silent. Uh, he sort of seems like an extra in a lot of ways. Uh, he didn't draw attention to himself. He never spoke. But notice what he did. God spoke to him and he obeyed. God spoke to him and he did what God asked him to do. Some see Joseph as remarkably simple, but... But upon closer examination, we see that he's simply remarkable. Simply remarkable, the faith that this man had. So as we go into our text today, I want you to think about a couple of things. Number one, the, the, Joseph is the forgotten man of Christmas, and, and he is obedient to God immediately. He's obedient to God immediately. Notice Joseph heard the angel in verse 24 of chapter 1, and took Mary to be his wife. He arose, he acted, <clears throat> he obeyed. Uh, notice Joseph immediately arose. He got up during the night and took Mary and Jesus to Egypt after the angel's warning in the 13th and 14th chapters of chapter 2, 13th and 14th verses of chapter 2. Notice Joseph acted immediately when the angel told him Herod had died and it was safe to leave Egypt and go back to Israel. <clears throat> he didn't say, you know, I got, I got things going. I got business, you know, working. I need to close some things down here, angel. You know, I need to get my business in order. No, he just did what the angel told him to do. He got up and left. He got up and left. Notice he didn't argue, he just obeyed. He didn't argue, he just obeyed. I think one of Satan's most effective lies to us, I know it is to me, and I don't know about you, but I know it is to me, is he'll say to us, you know, you truly do need to do that. Yes, you do need to do that. Just not today. You, you really do need to get, get to doing that. Just not right now. Just not right now. 
You've heard it said, if not now, when? If not you, who? Well, the angel said, you, Joseph, and now. And Joseph obeyed. He obeyed. He did not argue. He just obeyed. Let's draw this down to our own personal lives. Is there something you know in your heart of hearts that you need to do? You know in your heart of hearts that you need to do. You know that you should do. And the question rings out this morning, if not now, when? If not now, when? If not you, who? You see, people say God's not at work in this world anymore. Yes, He is. He is at work in this world anymore. But sometimes His work doesn't get accomplished according to His will because you and me aren't listening. And we're not doing what He wants us to do. I mean, we talk about how God works through His people. Amen? But what if His people aren't listening? What if His people say, yeah, sure, I know. You bet you. We're going to get to that after we do this other stuff that we want to do. After we do this stuff we want to do. You know, even the church can be about that. The church can be about, yes, I know we need to do X, Y, and Z, but we, Lord, we, it's, that's, that's not on our agenda this month. A, B, and C are on our agenda. And we're going to do those things instead. And so we have to be very careful. He obeyed immediately. Notice something else about Joseph. He, he obeyed regardless. He obeyed regardless. Despite his fear, despite the circumstances, God spoke, Joseph obeyed. Despite his fear. I mean, the angel tells Joseph not to be afraid. Now, why would the angel tell him that if he wasn't afraid? See, I don't believe God wastes words. So he must have been afraid for the angel to say, Joseph, don't be afraid. And that teaches us a very important lesson. One that we need to hear. One that I need to hear on a regular basis. We need to obey God despite our fear. We need to obey God despite our fear. You see, fear is no excuse. Oh, I would have, but I was afraid. I'm, you know, fear's not an excuse. We need to move forward despite our fear. Some will probably say, but, you know, oh God, I was so afraid, but the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Sometimes we, we, we do things... And it really doesn't take as much faith to do them because they're not very scary. They're, they're something we want to do anyway. I mean, you know. I hear people say, well, he was a good, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a good guy doing good things. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a Christian. Doesn't necessarily mean he's following God's will because he's not listening to God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Despite his fear, he followed 
the will of God, despite the circumstances. Picture this scene. <laughs> Picture this, guys. This, this is the craziest part of the whole story to me. I mean, from a human standpoint, from, from, a, from a standpoint of a young man in love with a young woman, she comes to him and she says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Tears his heart out. Hurts him deeply. See, we don't ever talk about that stuff. But he's in love with this woman and she's pledged to be with him and now she's pregnant. And you know, when he heard that, his heart must have sank. And guys, in those days, that was a stonable offense. I mean, he could have told people in the village, they could have taken Mary out outside of the village because they didn't do their stoning inside the village. They took them outside the village and he could have had her stoned. He could have had her killed. He didn't want to do that. He loved her. What does this text say? He said he's going to divorce her quietly. Going about his business. So she's pregnant, and, and, and think about what that must have brought up inside of him. And then, well, okay, who's the father? Oh, God. Wow! Not only is, uh, you know, adultery, and that would have been adultery because they were betrothed to each other. Not only is adultery a stonable offense, guess what? Blasphemy is a stonable offense too. Oh, you're pregnant by God. Okay, great. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Never happened before, has never happened since. And see, I believe that's why God went to extraordinary circumstances to talk to Joseph. You see... God knew that Joseph needed an angel to come talk to him. He knew that. And so God loved Mary and uh, he loved Joseph enough to send an angel. Don't be afraid. What she told you is true. It's true. Now, now think about Joseph here. Joseph said, wow. Even if it's true, this is just too much for me. I, I, I can't deal with all this, God. I need to get out. But he didn't. He stayed. He obeyed. He did what God wanted him to do. <clears throat> do you think that the way things worked out were Joseph's perfect plan when he pictured his marriage to Mary? No, I don't think so. He could have never, ever imagined all this. And it certainly wasn't his plan. You know, we all have dreams, don't we? We have dreams of how we want things to be. Our perfect plan. And this is another thing we can learn from this. Maybe, just maybe, God's plan isn't your perfect plan. Maybe God has a better plan for you. And when God comes in and tries to change the plan, maybe you don't need to be stubborn. Bow your neck and say, no, 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 that's not, that, that's not what I had planned, Lord. We need to hear. We need to obey. God speaks today, you know. He, he says, 
you shall be my witnesses. He says, do not neglect together the assembling with the saints. He says, you, you, you need to invest in my ministries. You, you need to give yourself. You need to give of your time, your energies, your, your monies. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way unto the Father except through me. I want you to teach that. I want you to go and make disciples. And teach them. And baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you the whole time. Don't worry about that. You see, God is speaking to us today. And He's saying those things. Everything that I just said, you as a Christian know is true. You know they're true. But you hear that. Are you acting on it? You hear that. Are you obeying it? Are you doing the things that God wants you to do? I want you to ask yourself, what circumstances in your life are keeping you from doing what God wants you to do? I don't know. I don't know. And you may be able to say to me, Lord, Dal, I know that right now, I am absolutely, positively, 100% square, right in the middle. The bubble's not halfway on this way. I mean, I am right in the middle, square in the middle of God's will for my life. I know that. I know it. But if you can't say that, my question is, what's keeping you from being able to say that? We had a guy in my one of my former churches. He he was a he was a nice guy when he was on his medication, okay. But when he got off, he was not. He he was so crazy. Our our deacons said, uh, "We will pay for you to go back on your medication." Yeah, it's a true story. And I'll never forget. We had a we had church softball team, and I came up I came up to bat, you know, and I, and uh, the catcher there said. Is old so-and-so a member of your church? And I said, yes, he is. And he said, you know, that dude's just about half bubble off center, isn't he? And I wanted to say, no, he's a whole bubble off center, but I didn't say that. We know what we're talking about here, right? Are you a half bubble off center of where God wants you to be? Or are you right in the middle of where God wants you to be? See, only you can answer that question. Joseph had no New Testament. God spoke. And Joseph staked his life on what God told him to do. So, Joseph acted immediately. Joseph acted regardless. And Joseph acted in spite of the circumstances. Think about this. Have you, I know you have. I know you have. But have you ever agreed to do something without realizing all it was going to entail? I mean, you, you committed yourself to something and then you got into it and you said, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. No idea the consequences. I'll tell you, in my own ministry, when I left, I only pastored two churches full time. You know, two churches. And when I left the first church, I was out. I'd been there eight years, and I had a wonderful experience, and and it was just a great, great, great experience. And and 
And the only reason I talked to the church in San Antonio was because one of my mentors, a mentor that I looked up to and respected and I loved dearly, he said, you need to talk to these people. So I went and talked to them, and I ended up going there. But it was one of those situations that you don't know what you're getting into till you get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, And the first six months that I was there were were six of the toughest months of my life. If I had known then what I know now, I might not have gone. I might not have gone. But guess what? I ended up being there 15 years. And, and, And the vast majority of those years were wonderful years. And they wouldn't have happened if I would have said, eh, no, no. I see that. Not going to go. Not going to do it. And you see, see, we need to understand that in this life, God doesn't always call, He, he doesn't always promise us it's going to be easy. He certainly doesn't promise us it's going to be fun. But He does promise us that it will be fulfilling and joyful. But sometimes we have to go through difficult times to, to get to the good times. Every part of life is like that. And our Christian walk is like that as well. When I was at Texas A&M, I, you know, I'd played sports in high school. I, I, I was a, you know, decent athlete, not, not one of these, you know, uh, freaks of nature that we watch on Saturday, you know, those guys. But, uh, or your, your, your future son-in-law, I mean, you know, nothing like that. But, but, but I was a pretty good athlete, and, and, and so I was kind of missing that competition, you know, and all of that stuff. And Texas A&M had one of the best rugby teams in the country. And I thought, man, that sounds like fun. And I was sitting there at, at Sabiza Dining Hall, the largest dining hall in the world at that time. And now that tells you the quality of the food. You know, it wasn't great. But I'm sitting there, and these guys said, hey, man, come play rugby with us. And I said, you betcha. Sounds like fun. So I went out for that first practice. And after we had been running for about an hour straight, I looked up and I said, you know what? I didn't realize the consequence of saying yes to this guy. I didn't realize what this was going to cost. And this is a true story, guys. My dorm was over there. And and the guy, and we were running around this big old field. And the guys that were in charge were over here. And so when they told us to take off for a couple of more laps, when I got over to this point right here, I just kept going. (laughs) True story. A couple of days later, I saw the guys in the the dining hall. And they said, what happened to you? I said, guys, I don't want to play rugby that bad. I just don't. And they understood and we went on. You know, that's a funny story, and, and, and nobody cares if I play rugby. But do we ever come before God and say, God, I, I just, man, if that's what it's going to mean to be in the middle of your will, I just don't want it that bad. I, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather do my own thing. I, I'd rather go my own way. Because there's consequences. There's consequences to doing what you want me to do. Look 
at Joseph's consequence. Joseph was a young man. He took Mary as his wife. He watched her. He protected her. He was a young man with all of the desires that any young man has. He did not touch her until Jesus was born. The Bible says he had no union with her. He lived in scorn of those who did not understand. Can you imagine how many people did not understand? He had to live with that. I mean, yeah, Jesus was the Son of God, but He still wasn't His Son. And He signed on to raise Jesus. He had to take a trip to Jerusalem with His family. When, when, when Mary was heavy with child, He had to flee to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill Jesus. I'm sure that wasn't part of His plan. I mean, <clears throat> it sounds like Joseph was, a, was a, uh, a conscientious young man. He probably had career plans. He may have already had a career going. His plans did not involve going to Egypt. And he had to do all those things. Why? All because he said yes to God's will for his life. He had to do all those things just because he said yes to God's will for His life. Now we have concerns today. Uh, I've, many times I've had people say, you know, Pastor, I, I know what the Bible says about giving, but man, if, if I give at least a tithe, I can't have the things I want to have. I can't do the things I want to do. <clears throat> My wife does not understand that sort of thing. You know, if I witness, people are going to see me as a, as a re religious weirdo. They're not going to understand. I, I don't know. If I get involved in the church, you know, people are going to know when I'm not there. And I don't want people knowing my business that much. Boy, how many times have I heard that? I'm telling you, the bigger the church, the easier it is in our, in our society today because, because I guarantee you people, a lot of people go to churches because big churches, have, they have good music and they have good preaching and they have good, you know, they have good uh, programs for everybody. But let me tell you what, you can do that anonymously. You can do it anonymously. Man, if I get involved in church, people will know my business. I don't want that. But maybe our biggest fear is that if we're truly obedient to God, if we're truly obedient to God, God will ask us what He asked of Joseph. And the biggest thing God asked of Joseph was, follow my plan not yours. Follow my plan, not yours. You know what I think the greatest sin, I don't know about the great. one of the greatest, got to be top two or three, of Christendom today in the United States of America 
is that we do our own thing and then we pray mightily that God bless what we want to do. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to ask you to bless it, God. And we don't say, God, I want to do what you want me to do. There's a universal truth here. Obedience to God always has immediate personal consequences. If you're truly being obedient to God, it's going to have personal consequences. Obedience to God (coughs) sets the course for a lifetime of obedience. Wouldn't it just be great if we could just just make that one big installment and then not have to worry about it the rest of our lives? Huh? You know? It's kind of like this guy's talking to, and he he's pretty wealthy, you know. And he got to the point in his life where he could buy his own home, debt free, you know, and all that. And he's completely debt free. And he said, "You know what? I still have to pay taxes every month." And it was like he thought to himself, "If I buy this house outright, then I'll never have to put out another dime." In that regard. Of course, since he's pretty wealthy, he bought a big house. And because he bought a big house, man, his taxes are more than what most people's house payments are. Wouldn't it be great if we could just make one installment of obedience? Just, okay, Lord, here it is, man. And walk away. But that's not what God asks us to do. He asks us to be obedient every day. Day after day after day. And you see, every step of obedience is going to be a challenge. If it's really a step of obedience, it's going to be a challenge. And Satan's not going to let you go either. You know, Satan, Satan's going, I lost today. He was obedient today, but you know what? I'll be waiting next week. I'll be waiting next week to try to get him to go his own way. Him to go the way I want him to go. The universal question for all of us today, the question that each man, woman, and child must answer for themselves, the question that each church must answer is obedience really worth it? Is obedience worth it? I mean, if we had a show of hands here today, I said, who thinks obedience is worth it? Every hand would go up. But in our heart of hearts, is obedience really worth it? God wants us all to obey Him. He wants us to obey Him immediately. He wants us to obey Him regardless of our fears and our circumstances. He wants us to obey Him and face the consequences of that obedience. Is it worth it to you? If you've ever tasted true obedience, you know that there's a joy there that that, that can't be, I don't believe can be found anyplace else in this life. Knowing that you're doing what God wants you to do. Will there be consequences? Sure. But I've never, ever talked to a person that truly set out and made those decisions to be completely obedient to what God wanted them to do 
and look back on their lives and regret it. I was a chaplain <clears throat> for many years at Baylor Hospital. Not many, but, you know. And then I was a pastor for all those years. And, and, and I had the great privilege. You know, some people, some people think about this. They, they think, oh, man, I, that would be depressing. Or that. I had the great privilege of being with people in their last days and talking to people in their last days when it was real. I mean, it's, it's coming. Death is right around the corner. And I never talked to one of God's saints that followed in obedience that didn't look back on their lives with joy. I never once heard one say, Oh, I wasted my life being obedient to God. Never heard that once. Heard a lot of people say, You know what? I wasted my life chasing things. I wasted my life doing this, that, or the other. I heard a lot of that. And, there, and there's a deep sadness, folks. There's a deep sadness in people when they come to the end of their lives, they look back and they think, oh my, I wasted a lot of my life. You make the decision to be obedient to God, whatever that is for you. I believe this with all my heart. You will never look back. You will never, ever look back and be disappointed in the life that God has given you. Joseph, the forgotten man of Christmas. <clears throat> I think it's appropriate we have Salvation Army here today. Salvation Army works with people that are forgotten people. People that our society doesn't care about. So I want you to do two things today <clears throat> as we close. I want you to think about, is following God in obedience worth it to you? And if it is, will you say yes to the things He wants you to do immediately and not concerned with the consequences? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, I ask you to do one thing as we enter into this holiday season. I ask you to, to keep an eye out for the people that may be the forgotten people in our world during this holiday season. When I was a chaplain at Baylor Medical Center, I want to tell you, one of my more glamorous jobs was, um, <clears throat> was releasing bodies to funeral homes. That's my job. I'd go down to the morgue, make sure the paperwork was in order, and we would release bodies. During the holidays, deaths spike. I don't know if you knew that. And one day I was sitting there meeting with a with a funeral home guy from one of the big ones here in town. And he, he said, man, I am so tired. He said, we are so, so busy. And I said, really? You're busy? He said, yeah. He said, for a lot of people, this is the most wonderful time of the year. But for a lot of people, this is absolutely the saddest time of the year. And he said, and that sadness means some people that have been struggling to live, they just give up. 
Others decide to take their lives. Different reasons. But he said, that's the truth. So I ask you, is being obedient worth it to you? And will you keep your eyes open for those in our world, in your world, that may be the forgotten people this Christmas season? And and will you just say hello to them? Will you just acknowledge them? Will you just look them in the eye and say Merry Christmas? Will will you reach out to them? It's absolutely amazing the power of acknowledging someone looking them in the eye. It's amazing. And, 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 wow, if you've got your antenna up and God asks you to do something more, will you be obedient to that as well? Well, Pastor, I came in to hear a good Christmas sermon today. I didn't, I didn't want to be challenged. I didn't want you to make me think. Sorry. <laughs> 